everybody, welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. We have got a really good show for you this week, and it may be a first, I think, for the podcast. I don't think we have any negative news to report this week. Uh, not that, you know, there's always something going on, but nothing really rose to the level of, <laughs> of making the podcast this week. All we've got today are some really good stories, and um, we're going to start off with the, with the Supreme Court. They've handed down a landmark ruling on location privacy. Uh, also, all the major U.S. cell phone carriers have decided to take steps to protect your location as well, which is phenomenal. Uh, Apple, Apple's iOS 12, which is uh, the new operating system for their iPhone and iPad that will be due out in September, uh, will be giving away your location exactly, but only to emergency responders when you call uh, 911. So we'll talk about that. Uh, there's also a really, uh, what I think is a touching story of how end-to-end -end encryption Saves the day. It allowed some young girls in Syria to actually go to school. Uh, and at the very end for our tip of the week, I'm going to tell you why, if you're still clinging to a really old web browser, it is time to change that. Our top story this week, I can't say that without thinking of Garrett Morrison setting out live. <laughs> our top story tonight. Okay, ask your parents if you're young. You know, <laughs> that, made, that really dates me. Uh, but anyway, our top story this week uh, is about a landmark Supreme Court ruling. And it's really encouraging to see. And uh, I'm just going to read you uh, from an article from the Electronic Frontier Foundation on this, who was uh, very involved in this decision and decisions like this that led up to this. They're out there fighting for your rights, and this was a big win. So uh, let me honor that by reading from an article they posted recently about this landmark ruling. The Supreme Court handed down a landmark opinion today in Carpenter versus United States, ruling five to four that the Fourth Amendment protects cell phone location information. In an opinion by Chief Justice Roberts, the court recognized that location information collected by cell providers like Sprint, AT&T, and Verizon creates a, quote, detailed chronicle of a person's physical presence compiled every day, every moment, over years, unquote. As a result, police must now get a warrant before obtaining this data. This is a major victory. Cell phones are essential to modern life, but the way that cell phones operate by constantly connecting to cell towers to exchange data makes it possible for cell providers to collect information on everywhere that each phone, and by extension, each phone's user, has been for years in the past. As the court noted, not only does access to this kind of information allow the government to achieve, quote, near-perfect surveillance as if it had attached an ankle monitor to the phone's user, unquote, but because the phone company is collected for every device, quote, the police need not even know in advance whether they want to follow a particular individual or when, unquote. For years, the government has argued that the sensitive nature of this data doesn't matter. The mere fact that it's collected by phone companies makes it automatically devoid of constitutional protection. The argument is based on an outdated legal principle called the third-party doctrine, which was developed by the Supreme Court in two main cases from the 1970s involving records of phone calls and bank transactions. Courts around the country had long been deeply divided on whether the third-party doctrine should apply to cell phone location information or whether the invasiveness of tracking it enables should require a more privacy-protective rule. Thankfully, in Carpenter, Justice Roberts rejected the government's reliance on the third-party doctrine, writing that there is, quote, a world of difference between the limited types of personal information addressed in, 
unquote, prior Supreme Court cases and, quote, the exhaustive chronicle of location information casually collected by wireless carriers today, unquote. The court also explained that cell phone location information is not truly shared as one normally understands the term, particularly because a phone logs a cell site record by dint of its operation without any affirmative act on the part of the user beyond powering up. Justice Roberts noted that because cell phones generate a record of location information all the time and because location information is continually logged for all of the 400 million devices in the United States, not just those belonging to persons who might happen to come under investigation, this newfound tracking capacity runs against everyone. What's more, cell phone tracking enables the government to compile an exhaustive chronicle of location information so that unlike the nosy neighbor who keeps an eye on comings and goings, phone carriers are ever alert, and their memory is nearly infallible. So that was a bit of a long reading from the article, but it, it was worth covering, and they did a good job, of course, covering it. Um, this is a really big deal, um, and it's honestly, it's just really heartening to see that our Supreme Court is finally starting to stand up and take notice that these technological innovations uh, are moving beyond what case law has covered to date. Um, some of our notions of what it's meant to be private, what it's meant to abandon information, what it's meant to cooperate with third parties uh, who have uh, who have access to all this information is not the same as, as it was in, quote unquote, the old days, uh, you know, like 30, 40 years ago. So it's really good to see this. And it's a really, really important ruling. And I want to make sure that I called that out specifically on the show. Uh, I'm sure that this will open the doors for more such um, uh, legal cases in the future, and let's hope they go the same way. So another good news uh, and on a related topic, uh, definitely a theme for the show. The major cell phone car carriers in the United States have, I guess, of their own volition or maybe due to you know pressure from the media, I'm not sure, uh, or maybe from their customers, to restrict how it shares your cell phone location information. Now, we had some you know, some precedent in place for protecting your privacy uh, because your cell phone provider, not only do they know where you are with your location, but they're also basically your internet service provider when you're when you're out and about. And, you know, if you're in your home Wi-Fi, then you're using your home Wi-Fi for your internet connection. And then your internet service provider is whoever your home uh, internet service provider is. But when you're out and about using your cell phone, you're using cellular data for that connection to the internet. And so your wireless carrier, Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, uh, Orange, you know, whatever some of the ones around the world are, they have perfect access to everything you do. Now, if your individual connections are encrypted, they can't actually technically see what's going on inside that tunnel of communication, but they still know who you're talking to, how long you talk to them, when do you talk to them, uh, and all that other kind of metadata, which is often extremely important. And not all your communications are encrypted, even today. Uh, there are still a lot of connections that are not encrypted, meaning that they actually can see exactly what you're up to and what your communications are. Anyway, this is all about this is all about location information. So uh, let me read you an article here from Krebs on Security. Krebs, Brian Krebs is a really top-notch security researcher, and he's got a great blog. Uh, it's often kind of technical. I've just kind of picked bits and pieces out of this article. Uh, he's been doing a lot of great investigative journalism around this, and he was one of the ones that caught these companies basically giving up location information to anybody who asked for it. Uh, and that kind of led to this debacle that apparently has finally caused these carriers to wake up and take notice. So let me read uh, from this article from Brian Krebs from Krebs on Security. In the wake of a scandal involving third-party companies leaking or selling precise real-time location data on virtually all Americans who own a mobile phone... 
AT&T, Sprint, and Verizon now say they are terminating location data sharing agreements with third parties. At issue are companies known in the wireless industry as location aggregators, entities that manage requests for real-time customer location data for a variety of purposes, such as roadside assistance and emergency response. These aggregators are supposed to obtain customer consent before divulging such information, but several recent incidents show that this third-party trust model is fundamentally broken. On May 10, 2018, the New York Times broke the story that a little-known data broker named Securus was selling local police forces around the country the ability to look up the precise location of any cell phone across all the major U.S. mobile networks. Then it emerged that Securus had been hacked, its database of hundreds of law enforcement officer usernames and passwords plundered. We also learned that Securus data was ultimately obtained from a company called, I don't know how to pronounce this, 3 Interactive, the, the number 3 CIN Interactive, anyway, it's Interactive which uh, in turn obtained its data through a California location-based tracking firm called Location Smart. On May 17th, Krebs on Security broke the news of research by Carnegie Mellon University PhD student Robert Zhao, or Zhao, uh, who discovered that that a Location Smart try-before-you-buy opt-in demo of the company's technology was wide open, allowing real-time lookups from anyone on anyone's mobile device without any sort of authentication, consent, or authorization. Quote, Verizon was notified these, has notified these location aggregators that it intends to terminate their ability to access and use our customers' location data as soon as possible, unquote, wrote Karen Zakaria, uh, Verizon's chief privacy officer. Again, quoting, we recognize that location information can provide many pro-consumer benefits, but our review of our location aggregator program has led to a number of internal questions about how best to protect our customers' data. We will not enter into a new location agreement arrangements unless and until we are comfortable that we can adequately protect our customers' location data through technological advancements and or other practices, unquote. Shortly after Verizon letter became public, AT&T and Sprint have now said they too will uh, start terminating agreements to share customer location data with third parties. And I believe um, T-Mobile has as well. Okay, so that's that's the quote from the article from Krebs on Security. Basically, we there are really no regulations around this stuff. Uh, these guys are doing this out of the goodness of their own hearts, which is is heartening. Uh, I will give it that. And honestly, to me, it's a little bit shocking, given how hard they have fought to uh, be completely unfettered with what they do with your data and succe- succeeding. Uh, and rolling back regulations that would have protected you from this sort of thing. Uh, so it's really good to see that they're actually taking a stand on this. And finally start to recognize that this is important stuff and that your location is very personal data and it should not be available, um, certainly not without authorization. But in many cases, it's it's just too easy to abuse. So that's the real problem with a lot of this data. There's, there's some, a wealth of data out there and we could be doing some really great things with that data. And we're going to talk about one of these things in, in the next article or the next uh, topic for today. But we've got to do it in a way that protects and respects a user's data. It, it's this data is so juicy. There's so much really good stuff in here uh, that companies are just seeing dollar signs and they're thinking of all the other ways they could t- use this data that may not benefit the customer, but will benefit them and line their pockets. And we've just got to find some way, some technological advances if we can, if not uh, some regulations from the government that protect this data and make sure that it's used for, for uh, good purposes uh, using the good side of the force, not the bad side of the force, 
and uh, making sure that at least, if nothing else, that the customers are aware of how this data is being used and have the opportunity to have an opinion on uh, how this data is used and how it's shared. So it was very, very heartening to see that uh, the cell phone carriers have realized that this was a, a real problem and that they are taking a big step back and cutting off these programs uh, until it sounds like they can do this with confidence that they're not allowing this data to be abused. Just as a little side note on this, and I was going to bring this up uh, earlier because I was trying to get uh, line up an interview around this topic, and maybe I can still make this happen. But just to give you an idea of how this technology and location information is really getting kind of creepy. Uh, you're familiar with the term ambulance chaser, right? This is the the, the term of the uh, the lawyer who sees the ambulance goes by, chases that ambulance down to the hospital in hopes of finding a client. Uh, you know, who is somehow wrongfully injured by somebody. Uh, that's the notion, the classic notion of the ambulance chaser lawyer. Well, with modern technology, they don't need to chase ambulances anymore. The cell phone companies and presumably uh, have contracted out to some of these third parties that we were just talking about, allowing geofenced locations. And that's a fancy term for meaning, basically, if you took a map, you could draw a circle around a certain area, or you could actually draw any kind of line you want around a certain area, because our phone's tracking capability with GPS chips in particular is so good that you can actually draw, you know, any pattern you want on a map. And you can say, I want to know when somebody goes inside this area. And what the these marketing companies are doing for lawyers, for personal injury lawyers in particular, is they have set up geofencing around emergency rooms so that when people take their cell phones into emergency rooms, they are shown ads for personal injury lawyers. <laughs> it's true. It's happening. <laughs> maybe, maybe with this new change, it'll stop happening, but that'll just give you an idea how, how this data can be used and abused. Uh, I thought that was a fascinating story. So I thought I would tack that one on. All right, now we need to talk about you know location information with your cell phone in ways that it could be used for good. Uh, and Apple is planning with the, I think, and this is going to be coming in iOS 12 as well, this is, uh, which comes out in September, to give up your extremely detailed location information to emergency responders when you dial 911. Uh, so basically, you when you when and only. If you dial 911, you are an emergency call that the, the iPhone is aware that you are in an emergency call situation and they, that you've called 911. In that case, through a very special arrangement to a secure third party, will make your location information available to the emergency responders. So that, you know, if you're being robbed, if you're in an accident, um, and you need emergency help. And even if you can't talk, as long as you can make that call and connect to 911, your information information will give will be given out to the emergency responders to to, to the 911 uh, operators, and they will be able to send somebody to your location to figure out what's going on. So that's a example of the same technology, the exact same data being used for good, and in a way that we can all <laughs> that we can all see as a as a quote unquote, good thing. So that's a really interesting feature. And I believe that's going to be coming out in, um, uh, in iOS 12. Uh, by the way, if you're an Android user, uh, they, they have a similar feature in Android as, uh, as long as you've got Android 4.0 or higher, I believe in several countries like the U S the UK, Ireland, New Zealand, uh, that feature is available there too. It's Android emergency location services. Um, hopefully they've locked it down 
also, and then that information is only available to the emergency responders. Um, but that's this is a case of where you want your location information given, given up as closely as possible to where you actually are at this moment because you need help. Okay, our last story before our uh, tip of the week is about, I, I found this just fascinating and encouraging all at the same time. And it's uh, the particular article I want to read from you, uh, read from here to you is from Naked Security. Again, this is the Sophos blog. It's a really great blog and it's um, written in ways that uh, non-technical people can understand. So I definitely check this out if you're interested in this kind of, you know, other ways of keeping up on these kind of topics. Um, but they're talking about a case where end-to-end encryption, which is to say that, you know, from my mobile device to your mobile device or from my computer to your computer, the the conversation we are having is completely encrypted and unavailable for sniffing or snooping by anybody between you and me. And we've had a lot of discussion around this recently. Uh, certainly law enforcement and intelligence agencies have been trying to tell us that they need a backdoor, that they need some way to get into that encryption so they could monitor everybody's conversations anywhere around the planet whenever they want to. But that does have consequences. So let me read you this article, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. So again, this is from Naked Security Blog. As far as apps go, many, if not most, governments bear their fangs when it comes to WhatsApp, the messaging app with end-to-end encryption. That's encryption that stops police from intercepting messages exchanged by the terrorists and drugs dealers who sit on one end of the privacy-seeking spectrum, but also includes political dissidents, journalists, victims of domestic abuse, and schoolgirls. Syrian schoolgirls, to be precise, which brings us the most recent example of all the people whose safety, in this case their very lives, are protected by encryption. On Tuesday, the BBC published the story of a group of girls whose basic right to learn, in the words of one of them, was taken away when the Islamic State took over their hometown in Syria. They weren't just banned from attending school. They were beaten if they were found to be carrying books or paper, even if it was nothing but blank sheets. One of the girls from the BBC's video said, quote, they even used to break pens and rulers, unquote. The group of friends came up with a plan. They would pretend to go shopping in a nearby town, Yalda, but would instead attend school. Once there, they relied on their mobile phones and on WhatsApp to smuggle out knowledge. Namely, the teens would take photos of whatever the teacher wrote on the board. They would also hide notes in their headscarves and in their boots, anywhere that IS wouldn't find it. If they did find the materials, IS soldiers would tear them up, they said. A friend of one of the girls was beaten when she was found carrying blank writing paper. One of the teens said, quote, We couldn't all go together, so whoever reached the town would take photos on her mobile and share with the others via WhatsApp so that we could study, unquote. The Syrian government was trying to take the area back. With bombs falling, the BBC reports the mobile coverage was patchy, to say the least. But regardless of the bombs, the girls would climb from the ground floor up to the fifth floor to get a better connection. Once they'd downloaded the material, they'd bring it down to study. They had no choice, they said. Without books, all they had was what they could get get on their mobile phones. They said, quote, education is everything. It's our weapon, unquote. It didn't work out all the time, one of them told the BBC, but they kept going. Since rebels were defeated in southern Damascus, Syrian forces have been rejoicing and the squirrel girls have also won the battle in the struggle to get the education that IS tried to steal from them. With the help of the United Nations, the teenagers were able to take their exams, the equivalent of the UK's General Certificates of Secondary Education. 
and now they're anxiously and nervously awaiting their exam results. So it's really easy for us to think about encryption as hiding something that bad people want to keep hidden. But it's way more than that. Encryption is just a tool, folks. It's just a tool. You know, you can use a car to kill somebody. You can use, you know, all sorts of things that were meant for good purposes for bad purposes. Encryption is necessary for a democracy. It's necessary for society. There's There's got to be a method for people to communicate securely and privately. And there are many cases, that, like the one we just talked about here, where it's truly a life and death situation. You know, we tend to think of our governments and our law enforcements generally as the good guys. And if they say they need access to something, we want to trust them and give them that access and hope that they don't in any way abuse it. And even if that is true, even if we take that for granted and assume that that is the case and and, and hope that our governments are... Democratic governments will not abuse these things. As soon as you put in a back door, as soon as you put in some way that allows a third party through whatever mechanism, even if it requires a warrant or whatever you want to say, that allows them to break that encryption, that encryption is fundamentally flawed for anybody, anybody's use. And you, there are bad regimes, there are oppressive regimes uh, or, you know, oppressive spouses or employers or things like that that could take that same backdoor, demand that they have access to it. If you want to sell products to this country or if you want to sell products to this company, you have to allow us to peek into this, these, these communications. And they can be used for nefarious purposes. In a lot of cases, and there, are, there are places on this planet where that does mean life or death. So I don't want to get too preachy, uh, but I thought this was personally a very inspiring story and, a, and, a, and something that we need to be keeping in mind when we're talking about you know, trying to come up with backdoors on, on these products um, that supposedly only good guys can go through. There is no door that can that can only allow good people to go through. So keep that in mind. Uh, and I thought that was an interesting article. All right, last up, just a quick tip for you. Um, it turns out that there's a very particular encryption technology, a very old encryption technology that is being phased out as of June 30th. Uh, there's something that we call TLS or Transport Layer Security. I know it's a fancy term, but basically whenever you have an encrypted conversation with somebody that's using some form of TLS, um, it used to be called SSL, if you're familiar with Secure Socket Layer, <laughs> which most of you are probably not. But uh, if you've heard the term SSL, TLS is just the modern version of that. And sometimes they're used interchangeably, which is not proper. But anyway, it's the security thing. It's, a, it's the protocol. It's the way that computers and mobile devices and things can talk to each other in a way that's encrypted so that third parties can't snoop in on it. Uh, and one place in particular, or we definitely want to make sure that that's the case, is when we're buying stuff online, right? If you're going to give your credit card information to somebody, you want to make sure that nobody else can get that credit card information. The only person that gets it is the person you want to get it, and that's who you're buying whatever your thing is from. Uh, there's actually a group uh, that, that has standards for this. It's called the Payment Card Industry Security Standards Council, or the PCI Council for short. It's made up of a bunch of people like Visa, MasterCard, uh, Discover, Amex, and uh, some of these other credit card type companies. Uh, who create minimum standards for security so that when you do go to Amazon.com or you do go to BestBuy.com or uh, any of these online websites and you want to buy something online and you put in your credit card information, they require that if you're going to use their services and they're going to use their credit cards uh, to take payment, then you have to follow these minimum standards. Well, TLS, TLS 1.0 came out in 1999. <laughs> it's like 20 years old. Uh, version 1.1 uh, came out in 2006, so it's still 12 years old. 
uh, and there are plenty of bugs that are in those versions of, of this code. And the way, the way it works uh, without getting super technical is uh, your browser or whoever it is that whatever thing you're using to communicate with the other side, to amazon.com, your, your, your browser on your, your, your phone, your an app on your phone, uh, your computer, uh, you go to the website, uh, they negotiate these encryption protocols behind the scenes without you ever having to be involved. And what they do is they kind of do this offer answer thing where they say, okay, here's, here's everything I can do uh, from the worst to the best. You know, so let's say I can support TLS 1.0, 1.1, and 1.2. And I send that off to the other side. And the other side says, okay, okay, so you could do all three of those. Well, I can do, I can only do 1.1. I, can, I don't know 1.2 yet. I'm not up to date. So they negotiate and they settle on the best standard that they can both do. Um, now, usually it's the other way around. Usually it's the, the online retailer is the one that supports a lot more than the client does. And that's the case we're talking about here, because if you've got a really old web browser that you have not updated in a long time for whatever reason, um, it's quite possible that that web browser doesn't support TLS 1.2. And that is the new minimum standard uh, for these credit card companies to say, we will accept online payments. So the way you're going to know that if your browser doesn't support this is you're going to go to buy something online and it's to say, yeah, I can't let you do that because I can't take your credit card payment because your browser is too old. So that brings me to the tip of the week. And the tip of the week is just make sure you've got a recent web browser. <laughs> it should be an easy one, probably a no-op, uh, meaning you, there's nothing you have to do for most of you, because my guess is most of you have up-to-date web browsers. Uh, in fact, if you've got anything even semi-modern, it updates itself. Um, Firefox and Chrome and a lot of these browsers will update themselves in the background, so they're always keeping up to date. But if for some reason you've got an old computer laying around, um, or you have an old version of, of some of these web browsers that, that were not auto-updating, or you don't have your software updates turned on, you may have a really old web browser, and your old web browser may be so old that it will now be refused when you try to make an online credit card transaction. So uh, just go to your web browser, make sure it's a check the version. There's usually like an about menu or a help menu where you can find out the current version. Um, and just make sure you've got the latest version. If you don't, you, you know, go to directly to the website over that web browser and download the latest version and install it uh, to make sure you're up to date. And as long as you do that, as you, uh, if you get any of the modern browsers today, and I personally always recommend Firefox, um, but you know, Safari, Internet Explorer, God forbid, <laughs> or Chrome, uh, if you get any of those modern web browsers, they will actually keep themselves up to date once you get one of the modern versions. So tip of the week, just make sure you've got an updated web browser so that you can continue to buy fun things online and have them shipped to you in two days. <laughs> I am a prime aholic. <laughs> I've bought so much stuff on Amazon. It's not even funny. So anyway, that's your tip of the week. And that wraps up our show for the week as well. Um, Hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, I've got an interview coming up next week for you. Uh, if that gets delayed, it'll come. It'll will come soon. It's just a matter of getting that scheduled, and I've got, that'll be a lot of fun. And I'm also uh, coming up soon. I'm going to be doing a little traveling, so while I'm gone, I'm going to set up a couple of these podcasts that are just uh, information based and some fun topics to cover to kind of teach you some basics of some of the things we talk about a lot and kind of take for granted. So stay tuned for that. A lot of great stuff coming up in, uh, in the coming weeks. And uh, as always, folks, until then. Stay safe and don't get caught with your garbage down.